Good evening, everyone. This is Janelle, and I'm going to be hosting tonight with Andy Murphy, who is the rock and roll shaman. Shaman or shaman? I say shaman. I don't shaman. like the shame in it. Lovely. Right? I love that. Okay. <laughs> so this is Janelle, and I'm here with Andy Murphy, the rock and roll shaman. No shame. Shame. All right. Um, and so tonight we're going to do a little bit of interview and we're going to have some discussion. I'm here with Mark, Terry, and Fran, and we're going to just see what happens tonight. We had Andy a couple weeks ago at Grandma's House Brewery, and it was so fascinating. It was just awesome. So much fun. We learned a whole bunch of things that we didn't know, and um, it was just great. It was a great time. So looking forward to it tonight. Let me remind you, you can find us at www.brewtheology.org. You can find us on all the social media channels as at Brew Theology, except Twitter, where it's at Brew underscore Theology. And we have coming up, if you are going to be in Denver or know someone coming to Denver for the American Academy of Religion, the Open and Relational Theology Extravaganza at Blue Moon Brewery in Rhino at 7 p.m. on November 16th. We have a whole smattering of open and relational theologians coming to share with us, and so we would love for you to join us for that evening of talk and think and beer and food. It'll be awesome. We'd love to have you. So let's dive in, and I'm going to ask Andy to kind of give us her quick bio, and then we'll go into what it means to be a shaman and go from there that and thanks for having me it was so much fun to be with you guys the other night thank you um it was bigger than i expected i will say that i was sweatier than i expected because <laughs> there were some really beautiful questions and everyone was so welcoming so um so short bio is i was the weird kid who was always kind of interested in this stuff and i didn't really know how to make that a career until all of a sudden the path opened and so i've been doing this about 15 years wow. taking some training here and there but mostly allowing spirit to work through me to help people feel better pretty fun right never know what to expect yeah exactly <laughs> um so tell us you gave us a little handout so all of you brew theologians out there if you want to discuss this topic andy gave us a great handout that will get you started on the conversation so just um you know, this is a new topic, I think, for a lot of us, or one that we maybe have a lot of assumptions about mm -hmm. that are, I don't know. Wrong. 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 And um, so tell us, what is shamanism, and what does it mean for you to be a shaman? I love that. Um, and I'll just uh, qualify this a little bit, that me calling myself a shaman can even be dangerous in some places. So it's not necessarily how I introduce myself. Um but shamanism is the oldest living religion on the planet. It's the place where humanity started their connection to God. So when trying to understand things, you talk to plants, you talk to spirits, you talk to ancestors, and that's really kind of the root of shamanism. Yeah. And it's recognizing that we're here in conjunction with lots of other living energies and allowing those energies to communicate, work, and support us. We're not alone here. Yeah. We act like we are sometimes. <laughs> Human egos in this 21st <laughs> century might like to think we're alone. Um, but yeah, shamanism seems to be making quite a comeback right now, which is fascinating. I lead an apprenticeship. And 
on average, I'm getting about one email a day from interested people in learning how to be a shaman. Wow. So I'm heartened by that in every way that this is something that is supporting the planet, that people are feeling supported by, and it's allowing us to feel more connected and not so alone in this crazy little world. So if someone were to come to you as an apprentice, mm -hmm. where do you start with them? What are some of the early mm. lessons or... Uh, first lesson is going to be learning how to do the shamanic journey. Okay. So in the shamanic journey, we leave this state of consciousness in order to talk to spirit. Can be done in a waking state, but not always so easily. So learning how to do the shamanic journey is the first step. And getting a power animal who can help you navigate those other landscapes okay. is first part of what you're going to be doing so when i've i read some fantasy novels and sci-fi <gasps> and i read i've read about these journeys in those contexts where often you're sending um i would say probably like a preteen mm -hmm. usually out <laughs> out into the forest the or hero's journey onto the prairie for the evening usually one day but sometimes more and and they kind of wrestle with and find this animal finds them what does that look Ooh. like in Denver? Well, in Denver, we're not going to necessarily be going out in nature, but we could. Um, and one of my favorite stories to tell is I was doing plant spirit medicine in Chicago. And so our role there was to talk to plants that were naturally growing. I lived like with Sears Towers out one window and um, Hancock out the other. So I was okay. very, very urban. And I would go into alleys because that's where the plants were. That's where they weren't being interrupted. So there's this idea of urban shamanism okay. that we're practicing within this living world. We are not isolated. We don't have access as much to nature. So using the shamanic journey and even being on my couch and doing a shamanic journey is a beautiful way to be able to access some of these altered states and spirits who are there to teach us. Okay. So if they're looking for their animal, what? how would you help them find that? Um let me say that a little bit differently. So if they're coming to me as a client, okay. that's something that I'm going to do for them. But if okay. we're talking apprentices, um, because everybody has the ability to do the shamanic journey. Right. So if you're going to be doing that, you're going to be asking and engaging questions with the spirits who are presenting themselves to you. Okay. So if you can think Alice in Wonderland or even... Hold on, Dan. Brain's working. Oh, thank you. So if you can think Alice in Wonderland or Wizard of Oz, both of those are shamanic journeys. They're going to be falling through a hole. They end up in another landscape. They have experiences with otherworldly beings. Okay. It's a shamanic journey. Okay. At least as it's captured in the way that we understand it. Um, so in order to meet with the power animal, you're going to meet with all kinds of animals who might be out there. And you're going to be asking them, who's the one who wants to help me today? Who's the one who wants to love me? And once you meet one of those animals or those guides or those ancestors... You begin it like any friendship. Uh huh. Introduce yourself, ask who they are, why are they here, how can they help you, and you begin to form relationships with these beings on the other realms. Um, and they're actually not on the other realms, they're in this realm as well, but we form relationships. And in those relationships, as with any friendship, they're allies. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> um, so you pause there for a second. And said thank you. Can you explain that for our listeners since we're on radio or That's podcast? Hilarious. And just tell them what's happening when we hear you say that. I will do my best. Um, I don't know that I said thank you, first off. You did. So for me, I feel like I'm in constant communication or receiving 
from spirit. So sometimes they will jump in to remind me of things. Mm -hmm. uh, and the psychic that I am is not one who sees things. I'm one who hears or knows things. So they'll just jump in every once in a while and want to make sure that I'm saying things as clearly as they would like um, or reminding me of the things that they feel are important to say. Mm -hmm. So a little like channeling, but more so working relationship with spirit. Okay. So if, if we hear you say if thank you. If you hear me say thank you, and I'm not saying thank you, Fran, um, <laughs> I might be thanking spirit. But um, I okay. love that you pointed that out because it's so unconscious to me. Uh-huh. Uh, many years ago, I started this idea of no idea is really mine. And what if I say that spirit is like telling me everything? And so even from like, remember to flush the toilet. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and I started playing in that place of none of this is really Andy. This is spirit working through Andy and acknowledging them in that way. Right. Allows that relationship, gratitude, love to come through easier. Well, tell us a little bit about how you... Um, started recognizing these spirits and what that was like. You talked about your childhood yeah. and kind of knowing that something was going on. So if you would just share Everything that part of your story on. with um, us. And I'll say this too. I feel incredibly fortunate that I was not one of those kids who had really scary experiences. Yeah. There are plenty of people who are called to this path who start with the terror. I did not. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty grateful of that. But I was growing up in Louisiana it was pretty isolated. It was very swampy. Didn't have a lot of friends to play with. And the plants started talking really loud. So I started talking back, not knowing mm -hmm. that that was not normal. <laughs> <laughs> I thought everybody talked to plants the way that I did. I thought everybody talked to spirit the way that I did. So there was a fascination, um, probably not first. The communication was first and the fascination came second where I wanted to understand not what was happening, but how to do it. Right. And even now, conceptually, I don't understand what's happening. I have an experience of it, but I may not be able to explain what it is that's happening. Right. Kind of cool. So how did this play out, like, at school? At I think oh, you honey, mentioned you went weirdo. to church. Yeah. Like, what was that um, like? I was always fascinated in these things that nobody else seemed interested in or even got a little judgmental of whenever I would share where it was that my passions were. Um, but the passions didn't go away. And I was a kid and still am a kid who is deeply interested in God yeah. and that relationship. So my parents, bless them, they did not baptize us because my story, at least, is that they wanted us to find our own path. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I was having these connections of spirit. I was talking to ghosts at times, talking to plants and animals at other times, reading and studying lots. And at the same time, I'm like, okay, what's, what's the Quran about? Okay, let me go and study that. What is, um, I read the Book of Mormon at one point because I'm like, I, I was, so I was hungry yeah. for spirit in every conceivable way, trying to see how it made sense, right? Um, and what I found in organized religion is it felt very damning, it felt very shut down, felt very cold and isolating. And that version of God that they were teaching me on the pulpit made no sense to me at all. So I kept retreating into my own spaces to try to make sense of it. So, and that was, so you had this as a child, walked this journey that way for a while. Tell us a little more about how you came into being able to name who you are. <laughs> I don't know if I still can name who I am, right? Isn't that ever evolving? Yeah, I think so. Um, I am. That's kind of it some days. Uh, ask me the question again. So you, you went through childhood. 
Um, and you shared with us at the pub that this wasn't a straight path for you. Oh, no, you. this was not a straight so path. So can you kind of share with us how you got to be sure. in this role here today in um, Denver? Absolutely. So I wanted to be legitimized and I didn't want to be mocked and I didn't want to be the weirdo. So I tried to go a very straight and narrow path and went to corporate America and worked in banking and did incredibly well, but was not fulfilled. And I had a psychic reading in Chicago. Uh, I think that was like 2001, 2002. And in that psychic reading, everything became very clear. And she's like, it's the plants that you work with. Don't you know you work with the plants? Um, and from that moment on, everything took a hard 180. <laughs> yeah. And I realized that the things I had been fascinated by as a child that I had been shamed for and tried to like hide and shut down, it was still the only thing that made me feel passionate and alive in this world. So yeah. I um, asked to get out of my corporate job, was given a fat ass severance and too much money for a kid of my age at 24. <laughs> and I began shamanic training in Moab. So I was flying from Chicago wow. to Moab. And started training with some shamans who got me started on the path. And their path still is very different than mine. They go and study with shamans in Mexico. I don't. So I had to find my own way in this. And you know, luckily at 42, fuck, finally I have the confidence that like yeah. my way is okay. Even though it doesn't look like everybody else's, right? right. Um, and I can, I'm affirmed in that by what I am able to do for people. And I don't even like saying it that way. It sounds like too much ownership. I don't mean to have ownership in this. Um, But by the benefit that I watch the people who come to me receive, I know that whatever I'm doing is helping. Yeah. And that's enough. So in that time that you were banking and living that life, (laughs) did you have plants in your house or did you shut it down? Oh my God, no, the plants never stopped. Okay. Um, No, the plant, uh, yeah, uh, thank you. I know we had this big, huge ficus that we killed Eduardo and we had to leave him in Chicago when he moved to Denver. And I just cried for days because Eduardo couldn't fit in the truck. Right. (laughs) And so we had all these plants in the car and they all died on the way from Chicago to Denver. So, um, the plants were always there, but I didn't know that, um, I did know, like I, I began talking to them once, once I allowed myself to go to that psychic reading, once I allowed myself to study with Elliot Cowan of plant spirit medicine, then I kind of, just set off on whatever it is is here, yeah. I'll explore. Um, and I will say, in all fairness and honesty, I started having experiences and I went to my shaman about it and they're like, stop that, don't do that again. So even within that community, shamed yeah. of the path that I was going um, until I finally got here to Boulder and Ann Drucker, bless her sweet little heart, um, Ann's like, well, why don't you just try it? I was like, oh, wait, I can just try it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so Anne really opened. And I think it's also a feminine way, right? The masculine is going to have this structure and you go through training and you go through the apprenticeship and you're told how to do this. The feminine is much more experiential. And so with Anne, I finally had the blessing just to try it and see what happens. Yeah. Um, And you'll get burned by the fire sometimes that way, but you'll learn. (laughs) Yeah. Learn what not to do. You will learn a lot. So you mentioned um, a distinction when you were talking with us that you don't see pictures or images, but you do sense texture. And so can you kind of talk about that distinction for our listeners and then maybe describe what is it? What is it like when you're talking to the plants? Like, what are you sensing and Mm. what is their texture? Mm. 
Um, and I love that you brought a plant for me, Janelle, so that I can play with this a little <laughs> bit too. Um, but yeah, I am not the type of psychic who sees things. I am not the type of psychic who smells things, although it is the most highly developed of psychic senses to smell. I haven't gotten there yet. Um, I'd like to. But for me, it's uh, it's sometimes a Russian roulette in my head where I'm like, okay, what does it feel like? What is the texture of it? Is it smooth or is it rough? Is it watery? So I ask myself these questions in mm -hmm. order to engage the senses to understand a little bit of what it is that I'm feeling, right? Yeah. Um, so with plants sometimes, uh, not your sweet little plant over here who's just, you know, it's pure love. Like it's Audrey <laughs> too, but all of the good stuff. Um I'll feel the texture of it. So sometimes, um, thank you. If you can imagine a cactus, what would it feel like? It's spiky. Right. Right. It's a little protective in those ways. Um, whereas a rose, oh God, that's pure love right there. Inviting right. you in to like just consume it. Right. right. Um, so for me, the way that I try to navigate through these psychic places is asking the questions of what does it feel like? Is it smooth? Is it rough? Is it um, soft? Is it sweet? And then asking the plant if they're willing to engage with me in those places, because not okay. all plants will, right? Yeah. So um, one of the ways that I practice shamanism is it's highly ethical and it's really respectful. So if there's a plant who doesn't want to talk to me, fuck off, cool, I will respect that and I will back away. You mean consent? <laughs> consent? What's that? <laughs> um, so spiritually speaking, like that's a big dang deal to me too, right. that I'm going to ask permission of anything that I'm working with to see if it wants to engage. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. That's amazing. It's um, necessary. Yeah. It's respectful. It's, but it's not something everybody does. So it just brings to mind briefly sorry shameless self-promotion i just published a book there's no such thing as my, shameless. my listen listeners that would mean that shame exists so let's well, cancel out both of those okay. shall we Thanks. so in the book that i just published women yeah. experiencing faith that's better um one of my writers talks about how she felt so disrespected by the need of someone in her life to have her say a, pr a prayer to ask jesus into her life Ooh. and how like that, like, why was it so important for them to have that experience when she was just a little girl trying to live out her faith? Yeah. And so, like, just the idea that you would bring up consent, consent. You in talking permission. to Spirit. plants and spirits, that's, that's more than most of us humans seem to do naturally. Well, but isn't it the way that you would greet any new friend? I would hope so. You don't just jump in and, well, okay, kids do. Kids are pretty good at just, Kids like, are good at yeah. that play on a playground and their friends for five minutes and never see each other again. And it's fine. But <laughs> um, no, I think that place of consent, that place of consensual relationship. Yeah. And um, thank you. I'll certainly say this too. There are some spirits who don't want to talk to me at all. Right. Yeah. So I, I can't force anything to happen there. All I can do is honor the, where they're at on the journey. Right. Cool. Right. Interesting. Um, and especially that's an interesting one uh, in the case of people who have crossed over to the other side, but haven't all the way crossed over. Um, so if we're doing mediumship or if we're trying to communicate with a loved one on the other side, I'm always asking permission of that person who's on the other side. Do you want to talk? Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes they're on the other side and they don't want to go all the way to the other side and they're stuck in this in between. Um, and I'll ask, can I help you? No, I'm happy right here. Cool. You can stay stuck. Uh, ghosts would often show up in this realm, right? Okay. Um, ghosts don't want to leave all the time. It's not my job to make them. It's my job to say, hey, I'm Andy. If you need my help, let me know. Right. And Speak certainly present. up at Stanley Hotel. Woo! 
Nothing wants to leave Stanley Hotel. So um, I go up there every <laughs> once in a while. I'm like, hey, if y'all need some help out of here, I love you. Let me know. You know how to find me. Nothing <laughs> wants to leave. Nothing ever leaves, huh? Nope. That's great. I make a lot of money with them not leaving. So, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I just want to make sure that we let our listeners kind of get a, a full picture of what you do and how you how you experience this journey that you're on. Um, so I'll go back around to The Apprentice for just a second. Oh, great. So you talked about um, the spirit animal and what that's like. What's another thing that you would uh, walk an apprentice through? Hmm. Um, so what I'm trying to do with The Apprentice specifically, and I don't know if this answers your question, but we'll go there and play with it. Um, so the goal of The Apprenticeship is people need more help. People need more connection to spirit and the healers have a role to do on this planet right now. So we want to make sure that they have the tools to do that. So learning okay. the shamanic journey is one of those. Learning the power of the shaman is woven all throughout the six month program. Um, and I'm also teaching them how to do the Akashic records. Akashic records is the book of the soul. It's the book of life as it's written in the Bible. Um, and so we want to make sure that they know how to access the truth of a soul. Okay. They're learning how to do that. Um, we have been doing healings lately so that they're shadowing me a little bit in doing a healing on somebody. Okay. Um, the healing might be an easier way of explaining what it is that I do. So when I have somebody who comes to me, they've got their presenting problems, right? Right. Um, those presenting problems they'll think is the issue. I will hear underneath it what might be going on. And then I will kind of project to spirit. I'm like, here's what I think can be done. Here's what I suggest needs to be done, but that's not up to me. Right. So then their spirit guides will come in. Spirit guides could be ancestors, could be the power animals, could be ascended masters, could be angels, could be deities. They'll come in and they'll tell me, oh, this is actually what needs to be done here. And it'll be weird things like, why has your left knee been hurting for the last two weeks? They're like, how do you know that? I'm like, I don't know how I know that, but that's pretty clear. That's not the point. What do we need to do here? Right. Right. So with the apprentices, I want to make sure that they're able to hear in those ways, okay. that they aren't getting too caught up in symptomology and their agenda, that just because they have tools and skills, it doesn't mean that they have to follow a protocol. Okay. So a lot of healers and a lot of doctors, there's a step-by-step -step thing that you do. In shamanism, it's a living art form. There's not a step-by-step -step anything. You're walking out onto the razor's edge each time, not sure what's going to happen, which also makes it equally exhilarating, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work. And I have experiences on a regular basis where I don't know if this is going to work. I was sick last week. You guys were gracious enough to like, um, not let me be sick, but reschedule this yeah. for us. <laughs> um, and I remember after four days of not talking to clients, I talked to one of my clients and I'm like, I wasn't sure if this is going to work when I got back. Like, <laughs> does this just shut off at some point? Oh no. Comes back in stronger. Right. Cool. Thanks. That's cool. <laughs> Well, actually, along those lines, our friend, mutual friend, Steve, oh, Steve. gave us a question for you Great. about healing. And um, so he wanted me to ask, does being living with participating with a shamanic worldview and its practices mean that you have the capacity to be a healer or is that a separate skill within the worldview? So I think even calling myself healer is a little atrocious. Healer implies that I'm doing something to someone, which I'm not. So mm -hmm. I would say as shaman, spirit is working through me to bring relief to the person. Okay. Right? And sometimes I'll call in plant spirits to do that. Sometimes I'll use tuning forks. Sometimes I'll use a drum. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, most shamans would not consider themselves necessarily healers, nor would they consider themselves psychic. Okay. It's much more simplistic than that. Right. This is the way that it should be. Spirit works through me, talks through me. 
Um, so I think even, yeah, I, I, I have a little bit of a trigger with the word healer because okay. it implies that I'm doing something. I'm not. So the shamanic practitioner healing may be part of it or not. Healing, healing is always going to be a part of it, but I think even the term healer okay. owns too much of it. Uh, it makes it, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the input that you're getting. It has to do with the input that I'm getting. It has to do with the willingness of the client to receive it. Right. It has to do. Um, so it's this beautiful malay of energies that are coming together in that time and space to um, does that person want to feel better? Or do they really like being a victim? Do they really like having this story of like something is wrong with them? That is the reason why they behave this way. I can't make that go away. No healer could. Right. Fair. Yeah. Okay. So mentioning clients, like, can you give us an idea of when or how does someone end up finding you? Is there mm. kind of a a group of people that tend to lean into this or? Um, the most common way that people find me is they come in saying, I have no idea how I found you. Oh, wow. Which is my favorite referral source ever. I have no idea how I found you. Then I know the spirit's already at work and something interesting is going to happen. Um, so we're in an interesting culture right now where we do have access to lots of information. So people will be looking up shamans at times. They will be looking up healers at times. Um, they will be looking up psychics or mediums at times. So right now, um, and I know I have one client who said it best, and she said, you know, normal people go to therapists, therapists go to shamans. I'm like, that's about fair. So my clientele is, um, for the most part, my clientele is a highly educated group of people who recognize the parameters of healing that are available to them in the world are limited in some way. And they're willing to try something else. So for me, it's a willingness to try something else that allows all of the magic to happen. Right. And spirit is going to bring them through, through its Instagram or Facebook, or they see some crazy video. There's a string of coincidences that spirit is already trying to line up that says, you may want to consider this if you're willing. Um, I guess we're, we're coming up on the half hour already, if you can believe that. <laughs> um, you are a delight to talk to. It's really enjoyable. Um, one question that's been kind of floating around, what are some tools? Do you have tools of your trade? There are like, tools of my trade. The drum is probably the most powerful tool. The rattle is the other most powerful tool. Um, I'm pretty fortunate that I like sparkly things, so I bring in lots of crystals as well. Okay. Um, I bring in uh, I have plants in my office, of course. Um Thank you. The Aborigines have these click sticks and the click sticks actually start breaking down some of the genetic codes of things. Oh, Tuning wow. forks will do that as well. So mm -hmm. uh, for me, uh, non-traditional shaman, perhaps, I like to play with lots of tools and spirit is like, oh, that looks like fun. What's, what can happen with that? So, yeah, it's experimental always. Uh -huh. But lots of options and lots of things to try. For me, yeah. Yeah. And not every shaman is that. A shaman in the rainforest will not have access to the uh, types of tools and wonderful things that I do. And in many ways, they'll be a whole lot more effective without them. So the biggest trick that I try to teach my apprentices, too, don't ever fucking rely on your tools. Right. Um, and <laughs> the great way of doing this is it's like Thor's hammer. Right? Right. In Ragnarok, like your power is not in the hammer. The hammer is just the tool. So the shaman is the tool that spirit works through. I just like sparkly things. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I think so too. <laughs> um, so 
Is there anything else you would like to, to share with our listeners or we can just start asking questions and see where things go? Um, I would love to share the joy of curiosity. And in that way of just like staying open, even if it's something that uh, fills you with fear or fills you with curiosity, in either way, that emotion is a question from spirit. So for me, it's always about the curiosity. And when we're curious about these things, just follow it a little bit. Even if it may not feel comfortable, like just go down the path a little bit. Go down a couple rabbit holes on YouTube if you want to. Right. Um, because curiosity is one way that spirit is trying to speak to us to maybe bring us into better alignment or universal truth. When we can begin to say the truth of what's not working in our lives, spirit immediately is going to try to bring in solutions. Yeah. It is not our natural states to suffer. Right. And so in that curiosity, when you can say, you know, I'm not really happy with my job, I should be grateful, but I don't feel as fulfilled. Cool. By you owning that truth, spirit is going to begin to orchestrate all kinds of series of weird coincidences that if you judge it, you'll shut down that flow. Right. Spirits of flow. Curiosity is one way that they're trying to get your attention all the time. So follow the curiosity. Don't shut it down. And rabbit holes, man. Be careful with those rabbit holes. <laughs> I think it's interesting. A lot, many of our viewers are kind of coming out of conservative evangelical Christian circles and probably had it beat into us that doubting or or looking at some of the things that you work with are like, that's just evil. a risk you can't take. Oh, like you, you were very nice down. in calling it a risk. No, like I, it's straight up evil to people, right? Yeah. What I'm doing is of Satan. I've been told that in the past. Um, and the place that I've just come to with it is it doesn't feel evil to me. It feels like love. So in the curiosity, see if it feels scary, see if it feels like love, see if it helps you feel better before you shut anything down. Right. Um, because those beliefs that are programmed into us were to shut us down, to make us not open, to make us not question, to make us compliant and to follow. And I don't think that that's the way human beings were built to be. We aren't little soldiers. I like and I liked how you said, just go down it a little bit. Just go down a little you bit. You don't have to like go to a psychic like you can research it and yeah. think about it and and and. Um, and but you don't have to like jump in all the way to experience something. You can. No, not at all. Um, and, you know, we are luckily right now in this society that we've got, at least in the States here, we've got a lot of metaphysical shops. Like, oh, no, metaphysical shops. See how you feel. If you're freaked out, leave. Yeah. It's okay. Um, and I think that's a really important part of empowering people. If it doesn't feel good to you, then stop. You don't have to keep going. Don't sign up for a six month program if you aren't sure how it's going to go, right? <laughs> like, yeah. just baby steps. Yeah. Um, and we've got a lot of good metaphysical shops with amazing healers and readers who are working in those spaces. So, yeah, don't have to dive all the way in, but dip a little toe in and see if it feels good. And if it feels good, dip another toe in. Go gentle. I like that. It's the only way. I think Otherwise, it's dogma, right? If right. we're telling you to, like, go in and commit all the way, then we aren't any different than the brainwashing mechanisms of religion. Yep. <laughs> Just do it. You that don't have true. to do anything. You're empowered. Do what feels good. Me too. All right. Well, I want to, I have a million questions, but let's open it up and let people ask what they've been thinking about since we heard you speak. And How did the um, meetup go last week? I'd be curious. It was actually a little small. Oh, was it? Um, and 
we actually had Steve at our table, so so that. he kept us online. I love that. <laughs> well, and even um, and isn't it interesting that like Steve is the one who kind of opened this whole right path for me to meet you guys, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Um, and Steve, while he may not consider himself a shaman. Um, I always call him one of the best examples of the divine masculine that I've met. Like that man mm -hmm. lives and breathes spirit in the most grounded, practical, hands-on service way. Yes. That is, um, I've only met him twice. Let me say that too. Um, so I feel his spirit. I feel his yeah. soul. I feel his essence. I feel um, him to just be this beautiful, radiant um, so for him, so for one person in this big community to bring in the idea of like, hey, what about a shaman? And because we know him, it's safe. Right, right. And then it can expand from there. So, um, you know, when you are exploring some of these things, ask your friends. I was on a podcast um, recently and the sweet little love, he came in as a skeptic. He recorded it and it's now up on YouTube and he's doing a podcast as well. Um, he was completely skeptical. Right. And so he came in not really expecting much of anything, which luckily didn't bother me too much. And some pretty profound stuff came through and shifted him. <laughs> um, and beyond that, there is now a YouTube video of what a shamanic healing in this modern era looks like that I didn't expect that that would go out there either. So yeah. um, so explore these things. Right. Um, and he said one of the things that surprised him was whenever he said, I'm going to work with a shaman, how many people told him that they had gone to healers and not ever said anything? And so there is this stigma that's still kind of going on that whenever somebody says, I went to a psychic. Yeah. And then you'll have six other friends who are like, oh, yeah, I've done that before, too. And it was really um, talk to people about it. Yep. If you hold the shame of it, that shame will come right back to you. Right. And if we're willing to talk about it, that yep. opens the door to a lot of different Absolutely. things. Yes, um, <clears throat> yeah, so this is Terry. Uh, just a real quick question. Your idea of, 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 of what shamanism, uh, how you came up with the idea of, of the fact that you're shaman, that you give, mm -hmm. it, give it a label that way. Because there's so many people that are now kind of looking for, for other avenues to yeah. find out where they need to go and find guidance, right? And so there's a resurgence, like you said, of shamanism. There's a resurgence of Wiccism, you mm -hmm. know, which is actually kind of new, although they've kind of Right. Showing as a kind of a new thing, as a kind of an older thing, and also paganism. Um, many of them using a lot of the same te terminologies that you are Absolutely. in terms of power animals and things. So, what was the reason why you chose the name shamanism? And do you see a distinction between them at all? Interesting. Um, so, I've said in the past, I don't consider myself Wiccan because I haven't studied that path. I did when I was younger, um, like 16, 17, I called myself a Wicca, thinking that that was it, and it never resonated. Right. Um, pagan. I'm sure that I'm a pagan. Pagan is a pretty broad term, but it's not necessarily a path of study. As far as I know, it's a, it's a pretty broad encompassing term. So I don't know how I got to shamanism, except that, you know, when I was a kid, it was the word that came out of my mouth. As I got a little bit older, it was the only thing that seemed to make sense. As I studied it, it seemed to me the most encompassing, loving, creative option. Right, because shamanism doesn't have the dogma, so there's not this, um, there's not this sense of worshiping anything. There's not this sense of giving your power away to something else. There's not this sense that you are a small, helpless human. In shamanism, there's a creative aspect in it that, to me, is always fascinating and expanding. Um, and Terry, I love your question because I think 
ask me this question 10 years from now and I hope I have a very different answer. So for me, shamanism called me. It wasn't me looking for it. And I'm clear on that part and grateful every moment of every day. Um, but as I said earlier, we do have a stigma around being a shaman with my color skin and my background. And I've certainly um, received some backlash from people who are like, you're not my, you can't do this. Um, that's from teachers as well, not just, um, you know, clients or strangers. There's, it, it's a dangerous little thing. And not because I'm protected by spirit, right? Did that answer the question? Yeah, that's great. I, Thank I you. like how deep your question is, and so I want to answer it as thoughtfully as you've asked it. And sometimes I lose track, so bring me back to where I need to be if I need it, please. Okay, sure will. Thanks. Yeah, this is Fran. You talk about spirit. Um, is spirit like one spirit or many spirit? And is it, how do you know it's more knowledgeable or positive? Um, um, so let's go into positive on that because knowledge would be mental. My experience of spirit is not mental. It's not a knowingness. It's an embodiment more so for me. Uh, and spirit, spirit is God. Spirit is alive in everything. Spirit is every cell and atom that happens everywhere, right? So when you say spirit, you're talking about a God. I'm talking about probably the living wisdom of the universe. Oh, okay. Right? Um, and for me, sometimes I have to name all of, um, because imagining that we can embody the living wisdom of the universe, holy shit, what am I supposed to do with that? That's pretty big. Um, so I will label my spirit guides with different names. Um, I will have sometimes different energies or entities who introduce themselves to me and will ask to engage in working relationship in that way. So I, um, and I was saying to Janelle earlier, because she's got this beautiful plant here, and I'm like, what's its name? Um, she's like, it doesn't have a name. It's a 20-year-old plant without a name. That's uh, um, th That mo That's blows my mind. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't say anything about fair, because there's judgment, too. Um, no, but like for me, like, what? How? Um, so for me, I'm just always kind of like asking, like, well, what do you call yourself? How can I love you? Right. So it's uh, it, it's probably a human need for individuation of something or identifying with something so that my human brain doesn't um, get lost in this vast network of spirit that is alive around us all the time. Even ancestors. Oh. Um, how do you know they know more than you do? They don't. And they don't know. Ancestors don't know more than you do. Ancestors just have access to different tools to help you heal faster. Right. Why? So um, just because something goes to the other side doesn't necessarily make it smarter. Right. That's what I my um, understanding is. Yeah. So there are a lot of uh, disincarnate bodies and entities who are like, oh, well, I'm on the other side. I have something to offer you. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, who are you? Um, so I don't necessarily think it gives them more wisdom or smarts. But what does happen with our ancestors is once they have gone to the other side, they have melded back into the vastness of God and all that is and are able to offer an expanded field of love to us. And as ancestors specifically, they're committed to our genetic lineage in its evolution, right? They want wherever they've caused shame or pain or hatred that went on for three or four generations. They need to clear that for themselves and therefore it will clean it, clear it for the whole lineage. So you're helping them too? Of course I'm helping them. 
right? Um, so yeah, I don't see that my service is just to living humans. They need help too. So compassionate clearing is what I call it whenever I need to clear a space of something or when we've got a so-called haunting in that way. There's something of spirit that is trapped here that is not supposed to be here and I want to get it home. And I don't know where that home is, so I'm going to call in the guides and other spirit helpers to ask where that place is because how the hell would Andy know that? I don't. I ask for help. And luckily they answer. <laughs> and maybe that's the biggest skill that we have to develop is the faith to trust the answers they give us have you encountered something where you didn't get an answer oh sure like what do you do do with that like if you send something out and it's kind of a void in it's not response, ready yet it's not ready when it is ready it'll come in um and it's one of the ways that i go about my world making decisions if i'm really stressed about something or feel like i need to make a decision it must not be the time when I have peace, when I have clarity, then I can move forward. But if there's mm -hmm. no answer given, there's no answer. And then in our humanness, we want like, well, we need to know this answer. I'm going to push for it and I'm going to fight for it. Ooh, you're going to mess everything up. So no, like chill out. Right. Take a deep breath. Go for a bike ride. <laughs> Wait until the clarity and peace comes and then things will feel better and then you'll know how to move forward. There's nowhere to go. And there's no answers given. There's nothing to do except... <laughs> silent disco silent disco it's the best mark hey there this is mark um it's funny you mentioned uh the human need for individuation i think you said individuation oh dude i love where and, you go already uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems to me in a lot of the eastern religions mm -hmm. um that the goal is to reduce or eliminate individuation. Mm -hmm. um, and yet a lot of what you talk about seems engaging with things individually. Right. Um, it's, uh, mm -hmm. uh, what's, uh, I guess, I guess what's the purpose of, indi of, 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 uh, of approaching things individually, things of the spirit individually, when ultimately. It's all and, the same. It is. Right. It's all the same. And, and it is. It's like, I don't know, uh, I guess why talk to the fingers when it's all a hand? I don't know. Yeah. You know? Um, and I'll say a friend said this to me one time, too, and he's like, why do you keep, uh, and I was working with Odin specifically at this point in time, and Odin was coming in with some messages and teachings, and um, I dig Odin. Finally got my DNA back, and I found out I'm allowed to. <laughs> I thought I was just borrowing from a culture that wasn't mine, but hey, Odin is mine. Um, and so I remember working with Odin and like talking to Odin and my friend said to me, he's like, why are you calling him Odin? Don't you know this is just God and you? And I said, but in my human mind, it would, I would feel schizophrenic if I wasn't able to kind of label and put things into safe little containers, right? Yeah. If I had all of these voices all at once, that was all the singing voice of God, my brain might ooze out of my ears or I would just freaking ascend and go right home, right? <laughs> so I think individuation is um, necessary while we inhabit these 3D organic bodies. But consciousness is certainly evolving beyond that because it is unity consciousness. We are all the same. I don't want to talk to the hand. <laughs> I want to talk to all of it, right? I did. I didn't think of it as talking to the hand, but uh, <laughs> now that you've repeated that back to me. <laughs> awesome. I didn't do too much of a head nod on it, though. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's, 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 uh, 
you know, I, I kind of think with myself, I'm kind of ready to be absorbed into everything. But I love that. But that's like, also crone phase, right? And you're not feminine to be crone, but the masculine version of crone. You get to be at that phase where you're like, yeah, I'm ready to go home. Um, did you watch the Ram Dass documentary called Going Home? No. Uh-uh. Oh, it's on Netflix. It's 30 minutes. It's the sweetest thing ever. But it's Ram Dass who's just like, I'm ready to be absorbed back into God now. Like any time is fine. It will be the most beautiful thing. I can't wait to go. That's why they, they total peace. The goal. Of course. So, so yeah. while we're here, individuation is a little bit helpful, um, but individuation, not separation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Recognizing that the same spirit that exists in me exists in everyone and everything. Um, and honoring that the namaste idea. I'm not in that tradition either. So <laughs> still not yeah. hard. It's still hard not to be mad in traffic. Really? See, I I laugh and tra- I, I listen to good podcasts and I giggle and I dance. Um, so I, I don't have triggers in traffic, which I'm really grateful for. And when people yell at me, I just smile and wave. What you going to do? Right? I'll send more love. I'll, I'll put more love into this world than I will hate. I don't have time for it. I hate taxes. Can I say that? Yeah, it's fine. And own that. Okay. Great. Texas? Oh, no, I'm from uh, Texas. I, I love. Okay. Sorry. Right. I'm even wearing my boots. Like, yeah, Texas are okay with. <laughs> barbecue, I'm great with. Good barbecue. Let's clarify. Good barbecue. Let's clarify. Colorado is kind of eh, on the barbecue. But. Need to go up to Louisville. They got some good places there. Okay. Real barbecue. We speaking of barbecue. <laughs> we I did ask uh, when Andy was with us before about um, are you vegetarian or vegan? How does food interact with your spiritual practices? Mm-mm. Um, I'm human and I eat <laughs> and I eat what I want and I try to do it with gratitude and not judgment and not lower vibrational energies and not, oh God, I shouldn't eat this. Um, so I try to be a little more conscious and I thank the animals who gave their life so that I could eat. Um, I do try to buy things that are a little more conscious in that mm-hmm. way. Um, you'll find me at King Super every once in a while. Like <laughs> it's real life. Yeah. You have to function yep. in those places too. But I think... Um, anything in extremism is going to be out of that divine flow of sweetness of spirit, right? If yeah. I'm going to go all the way over here, if I'm only going to stop because it's cruel, um, is that really what your body wants? So right. for me, I have not been told yet that I need to become a vegetarian. So I enjoy my barbecue and burgers just fine. Thank you. <laughs> and beer. Are you going to yeah. apologize to the hops because you killed the hops in order to make a beer? No, you say it's- thank you. So that's what I'm, it, so it, it goes kind of, it, it depends on how extreme you want to be, but I'm not about controlling anybody's behavior and I'm just about living mine in as much love and integrity as I can. Yeah. If they tell me to stop eating meat, we will probably have an arm wrestling match and then we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, we are definitely thanking uh, the wheat oh go- and pumpkins that gave their life for this Four Noses Pump Action Imperial Pumpkin Seriously. Ale. It won gold at the Great American Beer Festival. It is it's phenomenal, a- and all of you around the country should be jealous. Four Noses. Because it is the best pumpkin beer Imperial I've ever had. Imperial Pumpkin Ale. Um, and I will say truthfully, like I don't like ale, and I don't like pumpkin. Um, <laughs> you pulled this out tonight, and I was like, that sounds kind of good. It's delicious. It's amazing. So yeah, you'll have to tell me later where to find it. Cause, All right. Mm-hmm. In Broomfield, it's right up the street. That's not far. Okay, I nope. can do that. We're good. Cool. Um, so one of the things you talk about in terms of um, 
people's names that we might recognize, like Jesus and Odin. And so just will you tell us you about... Call, you call Odin people. I like that. Thanks. Okay. But it's, I guess he's a deity, well, technically. That's, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I just kind of like... So who Odin are some of your favorites? And oh. I don't know, what is what are some... You, you mentioned that Jesus is a little different. Uh, in your uh, my experience, experience. Jesus is probably pretty different than most other people's. Um, I work with Jesus quite a bit. I work with Mother Mary quite a bit. I work with Magdalene a lot. Um, Odin has been showing up in the last several years for me. And as I said, I didn't feel like I had a right to him. Uh-huh. But he won't go away. <laughs> um, sec- and I don't want you to go away, Odin. He's he's very flirty. So we do, we do just fine. Um <laughs> Sekhmet, so I work with a lot of the Egyptian deities as well. Okay. Um, they come through quite strong. Uh, Hathor wants to make sure that I say her name, so I'm happy to do that. <laughs> um, but for me specifically, I'm very feminine on this planet, and I'm really happy to have incarnated as a female in this lifetime. So I work with a lot of the mother energies. I work with a lot of the um, gentler, healing, compassionate expressions mm-hmm. of the divine right um and personally in my own constitution i'm very much a nurturer okay. so it's how i move through my healing practice and those are usually the energies who will present themselves to me okay i don't have great um i worked with hell one time <laughs> um hell who was of the norse tradition and i remember we got down so far into the dimensions of hell that one of my other spirit guides came in and they're like stop she goes no further she goes no further she is not meant to go any further um so i yeah worked with hell once right i don't i don't play with the dark ones quite as easily well so that's a that's an interesting i have a, a question about that just you you talked to us a little bit about angels when we saw you before and and I think some of again some of that Christian preconceived notions yeah. and stereotypes has to do with the demonic and all of the evil and Satan and all of that kind of stuff. That doesn't seem to be anything you're interested in. Um, um, and so, I, can you talk about sure. that? Sure, I'll encounter it from time to time. There's yeah. certainly energies who want to present themselves to me as demons. If I give them the power of oh God, I'm sca-, as soon as I transfer my fear to them, they're going to attack. Right. Um, so it's not that I deny that they exist. Um, I've had lots of <laughs> I've had lots of showdowns. It's not the favorite thing that I engage in. Yep. Right. Um, I don't give my power to it, nor am I all love and light. So when I've got something really ugly and gnarly that's happening within me, I don't just pray it away hoping that it will get better. I want to take accountability. I want to address it. So shadow work is a big part of my private practice and what I do for clients as well. Because people don't want to own their ugly. Or we want to ascribe our ugly to something demonic outside of ourselves. It's not. So when we can take those labels of evil or demon off of it, um, I think it's a little easier to manage, a little easier to move into forgiveness with, because that's all that these energies need. Everything wants to vibrate at love. And we live in a planet of polarity that we're trying to learn, can we really live at a vibration of love? Or is some of this up and down, some of this polarity absolutely necessary to propel us forward? But yeah, I'm, yeah I've had, I know. Uh, thank you. We might say this here. Um, I was called in to clear James Holmes's apartment after he did the Aurora Theater shooting. Um, that gave me a experience of evil and darkness and all of those oogie boogies in a way that I wish I did not know existed. 
it was a highly beneficial learning lesson. Um, but it took me about two years to energetically pull out of that because it was nothing that I thought existed before. And not that I was naive to it, but um, I was pulled in to participate in a way that it was, it was a lesson. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, in some ways that parallels um, some of the encounters I had that I would have labeled under my Christian label of, you know, feeling darkness and pushing against it and fighting it. And I don't even know, like, I don't even know that I believe that in that way anymore. Yeah. Um, well, but it was also... real. It was very tangible and real at the time. And it was corroborated by multiple witnesses. And, and like, what so... happens if you offer it love? Instead of offering it fear and running. Well, that's interesting because, I mean, to me, like, when you said that, like, that would so change this discussion even in the church. What if instead of being afraid of this stuff... Or projecting and, that it's or other. projecting that it's other, we offer it love and forgiveness like Christ calls us to. And that's certainly the way that my shamans have taught me, is like the evilest, scariest things that you will encounter when you can offer it love, you realize that you are the same and it dissolves. And that's that's hard language to hear, I think, for some people that that we might be the same as it, but it's we are the same. But it's honest. But what the fuck are human beings doing on this planet? It's not spirit who's making evil things happen. It's human beings who are excuse me, uh, high pitched over here. It's okay. Um, <laughs> you're fine. Um, the people, the things that are bad on this planet are not spirit driven and are not demonic. They're being enacted by human beings who deny that part of themselves. That's whatever. Um, we offer things love. It changes things. And we see that it's the same as us and it might hold some of our shadows and it might hold some places of our shame or places that we're not proud of ourselves. But that even opens the conversation to how can we offer it love, forgiveness and healing and then it can begin to soften. And be transformed and redeemed. Yep. And recreated. That's sounds a little like what Jesus was about. Doesn't it though? It's really weird. Jesus yeah. was so smart. Um, <laughs> I love like I and it's it, it's been a very long relationship. Well, obviously, many lifetimes of relationship that I've had with him. Um, but in this lifetime, you know, I didn't want to be a Christian. I didn't like the idea of Christians. Yeah. I didn't like how they were behaving. And I had a very scary experience at a church in Houston that um, I remember walking out of because I was seeking, right? Yeah. I was a seeker in my teenage years. And I remember going to one church, just being very open. And it was so full of hate that I left there proclaiming at 14 that I was an atheist. <laughs> and I'm like, if that's what Christianity is, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. Um, I'm clearly not an atheist nor an agnostic. I've <laughs> realized that. <laughs> um, but at 14, we're a little, you know, a little polar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we kind of are. Um. But yeah, Jesus was teaching some profound stuff that when we can just, um, and, and I think even the Bible is a tricky way of accessing him because that's been translated and muted down and tempered by whomever was translating it. And right? misogyny and patriarchy and oppression. Right. And yeah, you put some celibate monks in a cell who aren't allowed to talk to anybody. You think that what's going to come out of there is clean and pure and of God? Whoa, man. Um <laughs> So I think that uh, accessing Jesus through the Bible is really tricky. Yeah. Um, and possibly even, uh, it's a red herring of sorts, right? Oh, here's what Jesus... Um, and then we look at the zombie on the cross, which is this dying, suffering figure. That's not it either. So to me, the soul and essence of Jesus is accessed 
lots of other places, but yeah. not usually through um, those means that they're telling us to. Yeah. I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of pictures of him in my office, um, but none of them that look like what people would think Jesus is because I keep trying to find the version of him that feels like the essence of what I know. Yeah. Tricky. And it's not there. It's not there. Oh my gosh, yeah. even that sweet little kid. You remember that kid who like drew the picture of Jesus and everybody was like, oh my God, this is him. Uh-huh. And it was in a movie or something. I'm like, not him. <laughs> not it. Um, bless you, child, for bringing in something that's very sweet. But um, that was not it. Well, and we all have our own individuation and experience of spirit, right? Yep. So Jesus might feel very different to me than he does to somebody else. So I don't want to say that that's the wrong one. It doesn't feel like the one I know. Right. Um, and so one of the things that I do encourage for clients and my apprentices is when you're working with spirit guides, find the version, find the image of them that feels the most real to you. Right. And then you can begin working with that a little bit. 